Yeah. 
I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad that you are in church. Anybody ready for a little Christmas Eve? Yeah. Well, I'm super glad that you're going. Grab a seat, everybody. I am so excited that you're here. Uh, this is Metro City Church, and uh, you may not know me, but uh, one of the weird things about me is that uh, I listen to a lot of talk radio. I know that's a problem with somebody in the room, okay? But it is my problem. I listen to a lot of it. But I heard the craziest thing this week. Uh, it just, it was shocking to me, really. I think it was in California. This guy calls in, and he was a pastor of a church. And uh, true story, he, he says, he says um, you know, their church puts out this big sign uh, for everybody to, to see on, on their property. And it basically says, Jesus is the reason for the season. Has anybody ever read a sign like that, seen a sign like that? And I mean, it makes sense, right? Jesus is the reason for the season. I mean, if without the Christ in Christmas, it would just be a... Mess, right? And nobody likes a mess. And, and so uh, they, they put the sign up, and he says, true story, he says, this lady calls, 
and she is irate with him. And she's like, I'm going to call the police. I'm going to sue you guys. Um, and, and the guy's like, what's the problem? And she's, you know, talking about why is, why is the church pushing, you know, the whole Jesus thing and all that. And, and they go back and forth. And the pastor tries to explain, goes, lady, it is our property. We have the right. It's our property. This is our property. And, and we're Christians. We're a church. We actually believe that Jesus is the reason for the seasons. He, he tries to explain, you know, Christ mess, Christ mess, the whole deal, and it goes together. And she wasn't hearing anything of it. And finally, she, in kind of a huff, he says the conversation ends like in a big, you know, a huff. And she says, uh, she goes, I just don't understand you church people always trying to drag religion into all of our holidays. <laughs> what? What? Uh, now, listen, I, I realize that we're all from very different backgrounds here. And uh, if you're, like, not a church person, that kind of person, we, we're so, we're just so excited that you're with us today. But I just got to be honest with you straight up at the very beginning. We are here to celebrate one thing. Only one thing. Now, listen, we are all for you know, the parties and we are all for the cookies and the, the gift shopping and all. I wear a large, if that helps you in any way. Uh, listen, we are all for like, uh, you know, uh, snowmen that talk and reindeer that fly and big fat guys dressed in red suits that can fit down a skinny chimney. We're all for all of that stuff. But that, we're, we're not here to celebrate any of it though. We're here to celebrate one thing and it is, it is the Christ child, the son of of God come to earth, being born to walk among us. That's why, we here, why we're here. And we're here to put Christ in Christmas. We're here to put Christ in Christmas. I, I, I read this little story. It was so cute. It was about a school that put on this little Christmas pageant thing. You know, I'm not even sure what kind of school it was, probably an elementary school. And it was like the full deal. Like they had like shepherds and, you know, animals and Mary and Joseph and, you know, all that kind of stuff going on. And they had this little manger scene, right? And for the baby Jesus, these kids thought of a good idea. They said, what we're going to do is we are going to put like a little light bulb in there. And when, you know, when the big moment comes, they're going to introduce Jesus to the world. They're going to turn off all of the house lights and they're just going to let the little light in the manger shine because Jesus is the light of the world and all that. You know, it was a great idea. And the kids are all excited about it. Well, the big performance comes and the kids are doing their deal. And the moment comes where the kid who's off stage and he's controlling the little light switches, he kind of freaks out. And when the big moment comes, he shuts off all the lights, including the manger light. And so all these kids are on stage just kind of standing around, kind of awkward, not knowing what to do. And they're like kind of just freaking out a little bit. And finally, you know, they're whispering among themselves. And one of the bigger kids who happened to be a shepherd boy, he, he kind of says in this loud whisper, hey, you switched off Jesus, <laughs> right? And, and friends, it's true. Our, our world has done everything it can to switch off Jesus to make it about holiday cookies and holiday parties and holiday sweaters and holiday gatherings. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Christ is in the middle of it. Christ is in the very center of it all. And friends, it's our hope uh, today as we gather together. I know we're coming from very different backgrounds, but it is my hope uh, that you will not miss the Christ of Christmas that you will be even stirred in your heart to remember the Christ of Christmas. So at the appropriate time, uh, you may want to sing with us. Uh, you may want to stand. You may want to sit. Um, when we pray, you may even want to pray with us.
But my hope is, is that at some point, you, sitting in your chair, where you're at right now, that you will simply say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. You're here. You're in church. Just ask him. No matter who you are, no matter your struggles, no matter your doubts, just say, God, speak to me. And let's see if God would speak to you tonight. Ask him honestly. Now, for you who call Metro your church home, uh, super glad that you're here. As you know, we did not have our regular uh, scheduled weekend gatherings this weekend at our campuses. Uh, anybody realize that? Did anybody show up in the parking lot? Okay. Uh, but uh, we did that to celebrate our staff and our hundreds of volunteers that make our church run every single week. We kind of wanted to give them a, a weekend break a little bit, put all our efforts into this. And, and so we're, uh, we're excited that you're here, if that's you. Uh, but this also means that we did not take our normal normal weekly worship offering that we give. Uh, it's important to the life of our church. You understand that in any organization, it takes money to make all the wheels go around. Uh, and, and so in our church, we give out of love for God. Uh, we give because he first loved us. We, we give because God is generous toward us and we want to be faithful. And we want to partner together to do good in this world. And, and so uh, if Metro's your home, in a few moments, a little bit later in the service, we're going to have a time where this bucket comes around or uh, where, where you can give if you want to give. You can participate in that if you want to participate. If, so if Metro's your home, that's specifically specifically for you. But if you're kind of new around here or if you're just our guest today, just know that this whole thing is really a gift to you. We don't expect anything from you. Uh, but if you do give, you give out of a heart of love. You give out of a heart of worship, never out of guilt or pressure. We all together on that? Okay. We'd love for you to stand and sing with us.
silent night, no Savior and no Jesus Christ. The world cried out so desperately, but the baby boy was the reply. Yes, there was a I was a baby Swift boy. voices. story of Christmas like this. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Max Locato writes, Wide awake is Mary. My, how young she looks. Her head rests on the soft leather of Joseph's saddle. Her pain has been eclipsed by wonder. She looks into the face of the baby. Her son, her Lord, his majesty. 
At this point in history, the human being who best understands who God is and what he is going to do is a teenage girl in a smelly stable. She can't take her eyes off him. Somehow, Mary knows she is holding God. So this is he. She remembers the words of the angel. His kingdom will never end. He looks like anything but a king. His face is prunish and red. His cry, though strong and healthy, is still the helpless and piercing cry of a baby. And he is absolutely dependent upon Mary for his well-being. Majesty in the midst of the mundane. Holiness in the filth of sheep manure and sweat. Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable, through the womb of a teenager, and in the presence of a carpenter. She touches the face of the infant. God. This baby has overlooked the universe, and yet just rags keep him warm. His golden throne room has been abandoned in favor of a dirty sheep pen, and worshiping angels have been replaced with kind but bewildered shepherds. Meanwhile, the city hums. The merchants are unaware that God has visited their planet. The innkeeper would never believe that he had just sent God into the cold. And the people would scoff at anyone who told them that the Messiah lay in the arms of a teenager on the outskirts of their village. They were all too busy to consider it. Those who missed his majesty's arrival that night missed it not because of evil acts or malice. No, they missed it because they simply weren't looking. Little has changed over the last 2,000 years, has it? The scriptures continue. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby, lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. 
from the writing of Max Lucado, all the splendor of heaven revealed in a human body. For a period ever so brief, the doors to the throne room were open and God came near. His majesty was seen. Heaven touched the earth and, as a result, earth can know heaven. In astounding tandem, a human body housed divinity. Holiness and earthliness intertwined. His story is extraordinary. He called himself divine, yet allowed a minimum wage Roman soldier to drive a nail into his wrist. He demanded purity, yet forgave those who were not. He called men to march, yet refused to allow them to call him king. He sent men into all the world, yet equipped them only with love, a bended knee, and the memories of a resurrected carpenter. Hey, Metro, I'd love for you guys to stand up. We're going to show things back just a little bit. So if you guys want to sing these Christmas songs with us, feel free.
They spit in Jesus' face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped and kicked him. Then they all shouted louder, crucify him. Pilate took Jesus. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. They struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling to their knees, they taunted him. And after mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes back on him. And then they led him away to be crucified. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, 
above his head, placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, meaning, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sleep in peace. Darkness came over the land on the ninth hour. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit.
I think one of the great tragedies at Christmas is not so much the commercialization of Christmas as it is the trivialization. I just think that people cruise through the season and they miss the substance. They miss the story. They miss the true gift of Christmas. We talk about the gift all the time. We talk about giving. We talk about presents and being generous and being, you know, goodwill toward men. And I just think that we miss a bigger, bigger picture. I remember uh, several years ago getting ready for a Christmas Eve gathering just like this. And uh, my oldest son, who is, well, I think he was like 10 or 11 at the time, uh, he comes into the office where I was preparing, and uh, he says, Dad, what's going on? And, and uh, I, I admit I was a little bit stressed, and I was really searching uh, for what God might have me to share to uh, our crowds that would come that night. And uh, I told my son, I said, I, I'm really kind of lost. I really don't know what to say, and I'm trying to hear God's voice. I'm trying to hear God's leadership for, for, for our Christmas Eve gathering. And, and my, my son, he's, again, 10, 11 years old, he just says, oh, Dad, that's so easy. Like, easy? Punk, right? Like, easy, you know? And he goes, oh, it's so easy. All you got to do is just tell him this. He, and he's all passionate and fired up. He's a little guy. He goes, just tell him that the devil's trying to trick him. I'm like, what? He goes, just tell him the devil's trying to trick him into thinking that it's all about lights and presents and even the parties. And I'm like, wow, he must have been really into the parties or something back then, right? And he goes, oh, Dad, you just got to tell him that it's not about any of that stuff. He said, Dad, just tell him about Jesus, and that'll be enough. I thought, wow. I thought about, wow, right? And, and, you know, I think that most of us understand that Christmas is not about the lights. It's not about the presents. It's not about the cookies. It's not about the dressing up and the family gatherings and all of that stuff. I think some of us even know that it's even more than, than the shepherds in the field and the angels that appeared and, the, and, and the, the Joseph and the Mary. And I think there's more than, you know, we, we understand that it's about the Christ child being born, but I think, I think it's even more than that. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's a bigger picture than that. I, I want to I share something with you. I want to show you something. If we're not careful, we're going to miss what it's really all about because friends dare I say to you that Christmas has far more to do with the cross than it does a cradle it has far more it's far more than just about a manger where a child was laid it's it's about what happened on on the cross see I don't know that you quite understand this I don't think sometimes that we quite get all of this But the real story of Christmas is God busting into our world and ringing a bell, letting a light go off, somehow letting us know that we are lost, that we are in trouble. It's God looking into our world and saying, I love them. And there is this broken relationship. There is this growing distance between God and man. And God sees this growing distance and he wants to do something about it. And so the real story of Christmas is about a God who is running after you. It's a God who is coming after you. A God who is the real seeker. You see, a lot of times we think that we are the seeker. We think we are the one that is kind of coming after God. I mean, we showed up at church, right? At least on Christmas and Easter, right? And somehow we're seeking after God. But the real story of Christmas is that no one seeks God. 
Did you know the Bible says that none of us are righteous? No, not even one. No man runs after God. No woman comes after God. Nobody does. Not like God comes after us. The story of Christmas is the story of a God who is the true seeker. The one who wants to know you. And the one who wants to bridge this gap. And you know there's this gap between God and man, right? You, you, do, you do know this, that there's a gap between you and God. There's this thing called sin in our life. Oh, pastor, why? Do you, it's Christmas Eve. Do you really have to say that word? Right? We don't want to talk about this word. But you don't need a preacher to explain it to you. You know what's in the darkness of your own heart, don't you? I know what's in the darkness and the blackness of my own soul. You don't have to point it out to me because I already know it's there. And my guess is that you know it as well. And that darkness, that sin, the Bible calls it, it, it separates us from God. It causes a great gap. And no matter how hard you try, and no matter how much you want to run after him, you can go, well, I go to church. I do good things. I even give some money in the little plate that thing comes around. I'm a good person. The Bible says that you still have this thing called sin inside of you that separates you from God. And no matter what goodness you have, it's never enough to run and jump. I can't build my own bridge to God. I can't run and jump to God. I just can't. And friends, if we are to be completely honest in this room tonight, you know this to be true. That there is a separation between you and your creator. And if you're like me, you've tried a hundred different ways to fill that thing up, to make up that gap, to make up that distance. And you simply can't on your own. And people say, well, why doesn't God just let it go? Why does God have to be so worried about this thing called sin? Why does it have to separate us from God at all? I'll tell you why. It's because God is good. And we would not want to come after a God who does not look at wrong and deal with it. We would not want a God who looks at evil and turns away. We would not want a God who looks at your sin or my sin, the blackness of my soul or the blackness of your soul, and just go, oh, it's no big deal. Right? We want a God who is just and holy and good and perfect. Not a God who winks at the wrongdoings of our life. And so God says, and this is the terrible, terrible news, that my sin and your sin it must be accounted before God. That if God is good and if God is just, he must judge that sin. But God looks at us and he says, I don't want to judge their sin. I don't want to condemn them. I want to save them. And so he sends, yeah, he sends his son into the world to walk among us and live among us. He was tempted the way we are tempted. He struggles with what we struggled with. And he showed us how to live a life unto God, perfect before God. And the thing about Jesus is that he grows into a man who paid for our sin on the cross. God looked at our sin and said, it has to be judged. And he says, I want to judge. I want to judge it. I have to judge it. But he puts all of the judgment on his son, Jesus. This is the gift of Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. This is the gift of Christmas. And so I want to just share one little verse of Scripture. Uh, it comes right out of the Christmas story. Maybe you're familiar with it, right? You, the story begins with the whole Mary and Joseph thing and, and, uh, and, and, of course, the angels and the whole singing. And I mean, this is a big deal that's going on. 
but, but we learn right away that Joseph was engaged to Mary and she finds out that she's pregnant with the son of God, which you think about that conversation, that's kind of crazy. And she goes, Joe, I'm telling you, man, I didn't do anything with anybody. It was hands off all the way, right? And he's like, oh yeah, right. And God knew that Joseph was not convinced. And so God sends an angel I know this sounds crazy. I know, I know it does, but listen, he sends an angel to appear to Joseph to tell him what is coming. And he says this, listen. He says, she, Mary, will give birth to a son and you are gonna have a role in his life. You're gonna be his earthly father, like his stepfather here on earth. I'm gonna partner with you, Joseph. And listen to this, you're gonna give him the name, what is the name, anybody? Jesus. Because, and this is it, this is what he's going to do. Listen, you ready for this? He is going to be a really nice baby. No. He's going to cause people to be really good to one another. The whole world's just going to be really good to one another. No. You know what Jesus is going to do? Your, your son that you're going to care for, he will save the world from their sin. And so, friends, Christmas is not about this. It is about this. And this is a gift from God. You remember that, uh, that movie, Talladega Nights? Okay, listen. <laughs> I don't even think I even saw the movie, but I saw the little clips, and there's this, like, famous, like, uh, NASCAR driver, I think it is, and uh, he's kind of crazy. And the whole family's getting together for Christmas, and they go, well, maybe we should pray. Maybe we should say grace. You guys remember this scene? It was hilarious. And uh, they don't know who's going to pray, and they're all kind of throwing it around. And finally, the, the main guy, he says, I'll pray. Everybody bow your heads. And he's, he goes, oh, something like, dear six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus in a golden fleece diaper. And the whole family starts looking at the guy like, what are you talking about? You know, and he goes on, and, and all of a sudden, the wife, I think it is, she chimes in. She goes, Jesus had a beard. Would you just stop it? Jesus had a beard. Didn't he have a beard? Didn't he have a beard? And they start arguing about what Jesus was like. And at the end of the scene, people, the, the guy says to the whole family, he goes, oh, I don't really care because I like the baby Jesus better. And I think we often like the baby Jesus better. But that is not why he came. He came for this. He came to forgive our sins for us to be made at peace with God, to reconcile this gap, to, to put this distance that was there together. I remember uh, many years ago when my littlest guy, Isaac, he was on the timeout bench one time. And um, we have a timeout bench, every good parent does. And uh, so he's on this timeout bench and I walk by, I say, hey, what are you doing on the timeout bench? And my little Isaac thought about it. And he's such a good kid. He's like, I don't remember. I'm like, you don't remember why you're on the timeout bench? Mom! Mom! Yes, honey? Why am I on the timeout bench? <laughs> and she says, you tell me. You tell me. And he goes, I cannot remember. And he got so frustrated. And Isaac said something that I'll never forget. He says, Mom, will you just forgive me? Will you just forgive me? And my wife says, for what? Because in our house, we always taught them, don't just ask for forgiveness. You got to be more specific than that. But aren't you glad God is not always that specific? Anybody in the room just feel like saying, God, won't you just forgive me?
Anybody in the room ever just need to say, God, just want you to forgive me? For what? For everything. And that's what little Isaac said. I don't know. Just forgive me, Mom. And God says, I have been waiting for you to say that. He gives us peace. He gives us peace when we bow to him. He gives us hope when we yield to him. He gives us leadership when we come to him. And friends, there are some in this room, you, you, you run through life and you, you, you race through life and you think you're going to find peace in a hundred different ways. And you're like me, you've tried a hundred different ways and it just hasn't fulfilled you. It is time to stop racing. It is time to stop running. And for you and for me to yield our hearts before God. And friends, when we do that, he gives us peace. Peace that will be the greatest gift of your life. Listen to these words.
One of the problems I think many, many in humanity have is that they think that somehow God is angry at them, that God somehow hates them, that God somehow is, is disappointed in them. But the story of God, the story of Christmas is quite the opposite, that God's crazy about you and loves you and wants a right relationship with you. There is this verse that goes something like this. Maybe you know it. It says, for God so loved the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he what? Anybody in the room? He gave. He gave. For God so loved the world that he what? He For God so loved the world that he what? Merry Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes will not perish not ever, not forever, but you will live forever. It says, for any who believe will not perish, but have eternal life with God forever in this place called heaven. And it's bigger than that. There's this little verse that's tacked on the back side of that that people forget. And it says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God's not pointing at you and going, you screwed it up so bad, you're out. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world to what? Save the world through him. It is a gift of God. And friends, I pray this Christmas that somehow you will open your heart to the gift of God, that you will know the peace of God through humbling your heart before him. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, uh, just right now in this space, God, 
all over this room. God, I realize that we are very different. We all come from very different backgrounds, different faith, different struggles, different belief. But God, I know that there is one common thread that weaves through it all, that you are relentless, that you love us, and that you want to come after us. So God, I pray that you would penetrate the hearts of men and women in this space today. God, that you would show them just how much they matter to you. God, I pray that your spirit would speak into the hearts of people. Maybe even in this room right now, you just need to say, God, fill my heart. Maybe right now you could say, God, I'm tired of running from you. Maybe you could just say, God, I need you. God, I ask you to forgive my sin. God, I ask you to do something to me that I cannot do in myself. I pray for your peace. I pray for your leadership. I pray for your joy. I pray for your forgiveness of all of my sin. Tell him that right now. He says, I promise to you, I will give my spirit to you. I will put my spirit inside of you. So say, God, I want your spirit inside of me. I need your spirit inside of me. Father in heaven, I pray that your grace would be rich in this room. God, I pray that people's hearts would be open to you, God, because you are coming after us and you will never stop. Fill the hearts of your people, God. In Jesus' name, together we say, amen. Merry Christmas. How are we doing? Woo! What a good night. Now listen, we're almost done, but I got to let you know something. My hope, our hope tonight by inviting you into this space on Christmas Eve was that you might have this seed of faith stirred in you a little bit that there would be something inside of you that says, you know what? I need more of that in my life. That's my hope. And let me tell you where you can find more of that. This is called Metro City Church. Anybody? And we exist. The only reason we exist is to help people find God, to grow their faith, to take their next steps with God. That's why we're here. I would invite you to come and join us on this journey. And you know what? Listen, I don't want to say Happy Easter next time I see you, right? We meet every single week. You need to lead your family into this. You need to pull your family into this. You need to pull yourself into this. We need to grow this thing called faith inside of us. Let it rise up inside of us. We invite you to come here. If you don't like Metro, if you don't like our style, you think they're just too crazy, they're too loud, that guy's nuts. Whatever you think, if you don't like us, go find another Bible-believing church. We are all for it. We are all for it. But we want you to know that no matter who you are, you are welcomed here. You can grow with us. And I'm hopeful that you'll come even next weekend. Let me tell you, next weekend's gonna be different around here. We have a huge New Year's Eve party next Sunday night. It is gonna be off the charts. It's gonna be incredible. It's like $10 a person for New Year's Eve. That's insane. Okay, it's cheap. You guys can come. But next weekend at our Riverview campus, there are gonna be no experiences at all. Only at the Taylor campus. Normally we're at Riverview and Taylor. Uh, we have six experiences. Next week we only are gonna have the four at Taylor. Come join us next weekend and let's start this faith journey together. Y'all with me on that? All right, God bless you guys. We love you guys and Merry Christmas to you.